devil's going to come to you when you get the goods anyway and question if you got the goods.
favor and a revelation that we possess an understanding of the value and the worth of the house of God. I understood how important that Jerusalem was. We began to read throughout the song and the Bible and the preaching this very Psalms chapter 27 and verse number 1. He said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? With the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. Verse number four, he said, one thing. Everybody say one thing. Not two things, not three things, not seven things. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Why do you feel the need, David? He said, For in the time of trouble, let me just tell somebody this the time of trouble will come to everybody. He said, In the time of trouble, you shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now shall my head be lifted up. Above my enemies round about me, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Amen. David said, there's one thing that I desire. It's not to have a million dollars. It's not to have the nicest chariot that I can have. It's not to live in a palace somewhere. But the one thing that I desire, the one thing that my heart for is to dwell, to continue, to stay, to abide in the house of the Lord. My Lord, David, you must be crazy. I can think of one or two things that I would like to have. David said, Lord, you don't understand what's really important. I love the house of God. I love the tabernacles of the Lord. I want to dwell in his house. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. And what do we all know the book of Psalms, chapter 22 and verse number 6? He said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Sounds like to me that David had a made-up mind. Sounds like to me David had already settled the issue that he would have a seat in the house of God. He said, I'm going to dwell there forever. All the days of my life, one thing that I'm seeking after is to be in the house of God. thee. Verse number 10, he said, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. He did not put anything next to that. He just put a period. Better than a thousand. You fill in the blank. Better than a thousand anywhere. One day in your courts. One day in your house. One day in your presence. David had an inside trader tip on the fact that there's something wonderful, there's something beautiful, there's something glorious about the presence of the Almighty God. Psalms 122 and verse 1, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Verses that he penned concerning Jerusalem, the verses that he penned concerning the house of God, they go on and on and on. And rightfully so, because as, as David would put it, the church is beautiful. I said the church is beautiful. The church is wonderful. The church is lovely. The church is glorious. Oh, I should be getting more help right here. The church is. I can't speak for anybody else, but I love the church. I said, I love the church. I love the songs of Zion. I love the prayers of the saints. I love the preached word of to feel his presence. I like to feel his anointing. I like to feel it when his presence come down and wrap his arms around me. I love the church. I love everything about the church. I thank God that at an early age he placed a love in my heart for the house of God. There's no such animal as too much church. You can't get too much air to breathe, can you? You can't have too much church. You can't have too much Holy Ghost. You can't have too much preaching. I want to tell you young people something. If you want to be saved, somewhere in your walk with God, you better fall in love with the church. You better fall in love with your mother, the church of the living God. Where would I be tonight if it were not for the church? I shudder to think what I would be involved in as a young man, 29 years old, if it were not for the house of God. If it were not for a preacher in my life telling me the truth. 
I'm still glad when they say, hey, it's time for Pacific Coast Camp. I'm glad when they say, hey, it's Friday night prayer meeting. I'm glad. Because I'm in love with Jesus. Church ought not be a treasury. It ought not be a chore to you. I know, I know sometimes that we get weak in body. I know sometimes that, that this, this, this human body is frail. And maybe when you've been working, maybe when you've been toiling and all of these things, that yes, we can get weary. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your spirit. I just love being in the house of God. When I'm back in Atlanta, this may sound crazy to you, but when I'm back in Atlanta, amen, and I pull up to church, amen, as I'm coming off the highway, and I get ready to make that left on Spink Street, amen, in Atlanta, Georgia, I can't tell you what happens to me after all of these years, and it hasn't been that long, but still, I've been raised in this 29 years, amen, even when I get to Spink Street and I turn left, something just comes over me as I look at that building. It may not look like much to anybody else, but I know that the house of God. I'm going to meet with Jesus. I'm going to spend some time with the lover of my soul. I'm going to hear Elder Keith Hood get up and tell it like it is. I'm going to hear a preacher that loves the message. I love the church. You need to thank God every day. If you are a part of a church that believes this gospel, that preaches this message, you ought to thank God every day that God had enough mercy, that God had enough love to put you in a place that you could spend time with him, that you could hear the truth, that you could be saved. church is beautiful, and, uh, and and we could talk about that all night, but let me say this, let me say this, uh, sometimes when, when adversity comes into your life, sometimes when you're faced with challenges, and, and you've got unanswered questions, and, and, and certainly when your walk with God is not where it needs to be, amen, you, you, can, you can quickly forget how good God has been. And how good the church really is. And in those times, if you're not careful, you can make foolish choices. And even more foolish statements. Children of Israel are a perfect example of this. Perfect example. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus chapter 14, this is right after God has just delivered them. With a stretched out arm. Look who they are. They, they begin to murmur and complain. Exodus 14 and 12 says, It's not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. Why? For th- Watch this. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Here they are. 
figure out what are we going to do when facing a tough situation. And in the midst of that storm, instead of them trusting God, they begin to say, you know what? It, it was better for us. It was better for us. statement to make. And even as I say that, I feel here today, there's some people in this place, you've made this statement and you thought in your heart, you know what, it might be better for me if I wasn't in church. It might be better for me if I didn't have all of these rules and regulations and guidelines and things I can't do. And all. It, it might be better for me if I was in Egypt. Book of Numbers Book of Numbers, chapter 14, and verse number 2, they did it again. And this time they took it a step further. The Bible says, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? stop there. And they said one to another, let us make a pact and let us return into Egypt. Facing adversity, facing trying times, and their first thought is, I should go back to Egypt. Your walk with God is not too deep and you're, you're not too spiritual if the first time something negative happens in your life, if you threaten to leave the church. I don't want to be rude here today. I've been raised in a pastor's home, and I've watched as people have served God for years. God blesses them. He meets their needs, gives them everything that they need. And, and then the first time they face adversity, they begin to, to, to just talk. I don't know about this church business. How soon they forget. It wasn't too long ago. They had the tambourines out. They were shouting and dancing and, and, and talking about how God had triumphed gloriously over the horse and the rider, cast him in the sea. They were singing his praises. They were so thankful for Moses. They were so thankful for Aaron. But at the first sign of opposition, they threatened to go back into Egypt. That's where you are. If that's your mentality, can I just be plain? You're about as deep as a thimble spiritually. You've got to get some spiritual maturity about you that you understand trouble won't last always. I will have some problems. I will have some tests and trials. But the church is still better than anything else going. It don't get no better than this. Your worst day in church, whatever that means, is still better than your best day away from the house of God. It's amazing how soon we forget. They forgot all about the suffering in Egypt. They forgot about the, the sting of that, of, of, of Pharaoh's whip. And they forgot about, uh, they, they forgot about all the pain. They forgot about the suffering. They forgot about being slaves and being forced to make brick and mortar and build the treasure cities in Egypt. They forgot about all of that. They face a problem. I'm going back to the world. In our text, let's stand. I can't do it every week this way. In our text, David, David is weary from fleeing from Saul. 
Saul has been seeking to take his life for some time. And, and, and David, in a moment of weakness, he makes an ignorant comment in his heart. And then he proceeds to act upon it. He said, you know what? You know what? Saul has been chasing me. It would be better for me to leave the house of God. It would be better for me to leave Jerusalem and God's people and just go and join myself with the enemy. Just go and join myself with the Philistines. And not only did he say that in his heart, but he acted upon it. And he took 600 men and their wives and their families with him. On the surface, this may seem like it, it was a wise decision. It may seem like that he was thinking clearly. But when you begin to research it, when you begin to look at it, you, you see that he was very, very wrong. There's a number of reasons why, amen, that this was a rash conclusion. Number one, God had caused him already to be anointed king over Israel. And promised him ascension to the throne and had so often worked in his behalf that he was authorized to believe that the very reverse was true. Saul could not kill him. Amen. Goliath could not kill him as it was pointed out to me because he had already been anointed king. And if God said it, it shall come to pass. Let me tell somebody, if God has made you some promises, even though it may look like it's never going to come to fruition, if God said it, that settles it. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. When God tells you something, you can take it to the bank because God keeps his word. The second reason why this was a rash conclusion, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21, he had already tried to flee to the king of the Philistines, and it had backfired on him. He went before Kish, and, and some of the men that were with him, Kish said, wait a minute, that's David. What is he doing here? And they were ready to, no doubt, kill him. And, and, and David said, oh man, they're about to take my life. And the only way he escaped was that he had to act like he was crazy. Back and read it in your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 21. He begins to, to let spittle fall out of his face or, and onto his beard, and he begins to act like he's scribbling and writing, and he's acting like a crazy man. When you're out in the will of God, you got to act. you got to put on a show. When you're not where God wants you to be, you got to pretend for everybody. escaped with his life. He, he already saw that it backfired the first time. The third reason why this was a rash conclusion, 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 5, the prophet Gad had already told him why he was staying in the hole uh, in, in fear for his life. The prophet Gad said, come, I want you to get up to the land of Judah. The prophet told him where to go. The man of God told him where to go. First Samuel chapter, chapter 26, he had already cursed those who stirred up Saul and were trying to drive him away from, in his own words, the inheritance of God and telling him to go and serve other gods. He was upset at others trying to send him away. But here he is in a moment of weakness because he's weary and because things have not worked out the way that he thought they would work out. The sweet singer in Israel 
is convinced that he would be better saved to just leave the people of God, leave Jerusalem, leave the house of God, and go out to the land of the people's promise. I want to preach to somebody here that, that used to believe that the church was beautiful. I, I want to preach to somebody here that used to enjoy singing the songs of Zion. I want to talk to somebody here that used to love shouting and dancing and running the aisles and giving God praise. And man, you couldn't wait for church and you loved everything about church. I, I want to talk to somebody that used to be in love with preaching. You used to be in love with preaching. I, I want to talk to somebody that used to enjoy the presence of God. But now something has happened. Things have not gone the way you had it planned. Maybe things have not happened the way you thought they would happen. Maybe that spouse that you was hoping God would bless you with has yet to come along. Oh, how many people have said, God, I'll serve you if you give me this. You don't serve God on conditions. You serve God because you love him. Your attitude has to be, God, if I go to my grave single, I'm going to go to my grave serving you. You serve God because you love him. You serve God because he's good. You serve God because he's God. Not for what he can do for you, not for what he can give you, but because you love him. That's why Job said, the Lord giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We used to sing a song, if he never blesses me again, I'm still going to praise his name. Because things have not worked out the way you thought they would work out. Maybe because your blessing has not come as quick as you thought it would. And to compound matters, your relationship with God is lacking and is suffering. And some of you here today, under the sound of my voice, have just about convinced yourself that there's something better than this. I've come to tell you, it don't get no better than this. You better fall in love with the church again. You better fall in love with truth again. somebody that you got to be wrapped up in is Jesus. But if your whole identity, if your whole persona, if, if, if your whole personality is wrapped up in I got to have a man or I got to have a woman, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. 
Some of y'all clapping, but you don't really believe what I'm saying. You don't believe what I'm saying. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I've seen. And if you seek after this, and you pursue, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to the opposite sex. Thank God that that's the case with you. If if it's not, Lord, help us. That's all right. But you got to keep it in its proper get on this. You've got to put God first. Young ladies, you want to get a man of God? Not just somebody that has two legs. You want to find somebody that's going to treat you right, that's going to love you, that's going to respect you? Don't throw yourself off on them. Certainly don't walk around dressed like a Pentecostal I'm not in Atlanta. I almost said something, but I'm not in Atlanta. Because you're going to attract something, all right. Showing all them bones, you're going to mess around and attract a dog. And then you're going to be saying, who let the dogs out? You let them out. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with truth. And while you're serving God, one one of these old days, somebody will come by and say, man, that's a good Christian woman right there. And you can have your happily ever after. But when you seek after things instead of God, you will get the things, but you'll be miserable. God is not going to play second fiddle to anybody. He's not going to take a backseat to anybody. Fall in love with church. Get a revelation that it does not get any better than the church. Oh, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Wicked, wicked King Ahab tried to convince Naboth to sell him his vineyard. Read it in your Bible, 1 Kings chapter number 21. He actually told him, he said, listen, I'll give you the, the price of the worth of it in money. And if that's not the case, if you don't want that, hey, I'll give you a better vineyard than this. His words were, I will give you a better vineyard. Better by whose standards? I can plant more trees and everything like that. But but better by whose standards? Because vineyard's not always better. That's a whole other thought right there. And if it's so much better, why don't you take it, Ahab? If it's so much better, why don't you keep the one you have? And Naboth's response was, well, Lord God forbid me. God forbid that I should give to you the inheritance of my fathers. What he was saying in layman's terms was, it don't get no better than this because I got this for my father. There's, there's, there's a worth, there's a wealth, there's a price on this that cannot be bought with money. This is our inheritance right here. 
when those that really, really understand what they have been given. That's when they buckle down and they ride out the storms that life brings their way because they know this is better. This beats the alternative. There's nothing better than serving God. Just because times get hard, just because times get rough, that does not mean that God has forgotten about you. And that it's time for you to do something else. It does not mean that you should make a foolish decision in the midst of your weariness. I've got a word for somebody here tonight. For somebody through the forces of hell. For somebody through the world. And, and, and even your own carnal mind has been trying to convince you and tell you it's better elsewhere. i got a word for you. It don't get any better than this, honey. Even though things may not be going my way, it still doesn't get any better than this. I don't know when things are going to turn around, but I know this is the best thing going. This beats the harsh taskmasters of sin for sure. There's nothing better than this. Sometimes you get weary. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 28, the scripture says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I want to tell somebody, wait on the Lord. In a sane moment, in a sane moment, a moment of clear purpose and direction, David makes a statement that shows us that, that he really understood how precious, how wonderful Jerusalem was. I heard Elder White, when he's here, mention this in Psalm chapter 137 and verse number 5. He says, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget I do not remember thee. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above thy chief joy. What are you saying, David? I love the church. I love Jerusalem. I love my people of God. I've got adversity. I've got problems. But I don't want to lose sight of how beautiful it is. And how precious. 
think you know what I mean when I say that we get in the way in this. I think you know what I mean. Truly, the church is the best thing going, but if all truth were to be told after standing here tonight, if all truth were to be told, if we hold on to the best thing going right now, one of these days, those that have been buried in his name, those that are in love with him, he's going to call his children home. And the only way you're going to make it to heaven is if you hold on to the best thing going right now. And oh, when we get to heaven, oh, when we get to glory, and we look upon the face of our Savior, it's going to be final. It's going to be done. Surely nothing can surpass this. Surely nothing can be greater than spending the rest of eternity in the presence of Jehovah. People talk about the walls of Jasper. They talk about the streets of gold. They talk about the gates of pearl. I just want to see the face of him that knew me before I ever was. He chose me before the world began. I want to look upon his face there to sing forever in the saving grace. I don't know who you are here today. I don't know what has happened. I don't know why you're entertaining the thoughts that you are. But I want to warn somebody in the Holy Ghost. You better get a revelation again of how beautiful the church is. Don't you let somebody play up front a, 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 a psych game on you. Don't you let somebody trick you into thinking that you got it bad living for God. Even if you don't have anything, even if nobody seems to care about you, and that's not true, just to know that you're on your way to heaven. It don't get any better than this. Hands up, raised. Let's begin to worship him. Let's begin to glorify him. Somebody talk to God here today. Somebody renew your commitment. Somebody make up your mind here today that serving God truly is the best thing. Falling in love with Jesus truly is the best thing that I've ever done. I said falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that I have ever done. People don't understand. They talk about us. They think we're crazy. You got to dress funny. You got to go to church all the time. Every time I see you, you got church, 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 church. You don't understand how beautiful church is. If the light would ever shine in your heart, you'd understand. If nobody else understands, I understand. It doesn't get any better than this. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Come on. Come on, young people. Let's no pray. No place I'd rather be. 